Fierce. Girl Power. This is the story of the girls who swam for gold. Fanny Jurak and Minor Wiley. Read by the fiercest of the fierce, Taria Pitt. One, two, three, go! Minor took a ginormous gulp of air and ducked below the water. Fanny pinched her nostrils and did the same. They smiled at each other through the ripples, bubbles floating between their faces. It was their own swirling secret world. Minor poked out a tongue. Fanny lost it. She swallowed a mouthful of water and sprang off the bottom of the pool. Minor bobbed up too, giggling as the oxygen returned to her lungs. No fair, Fanny said. You cheated. Minor rolled into a back float, kicking her feet to splash her friend. Relax, she said. It's not like a breath-holding contest counts for anything. Not like a proper swimming race. A beetroot-faced woman in an ankle-length dress appeared at the pool's edge. She tapped her foot impatiently before calling out, Excuse me, dears. My sons want to take a dip. Mina hoped herself out and stood dripping wet with her hands on her hips. They can jump in, she said. This pool is for everyone. My dad runs it. The woman turned away abruptly, mumbling in disapproval. You know what's not fair, Mina said. Not being able to swim somewhere because you're a boy or a girl. Wow, really? Lots of pools across Australia didn't allow boys and girls, or men and women, to swim together. There was an old-fashioned theory that women shouldn't be seen in swimmers because they revealed too much skin. Oh, gosh. What? What was actually wrong with skin, no one could quite figure out. Luckily for Mina and Fanny, the local mayor didn't agree. He let everyone swim at Mina's dad's pool. Swimming is the sport of the future, he told the newspapers. And the female body has inspired great painters and sculptors. It's not a matter for shame or seclusion. Mina and Fanny didn't care who saw them in their bathers. They weren't exactly eye-catching. Plain, black and knee-length. Yawn. The only time they cared if people were watching was when they were racing. They wished everyone could see them in action to see how fast they were. Yet that old-fashioned theory was still followed by swimming officials, the people who unfortunately controlled the contest. When Mina and Fanny were competing, they could only do so in front of girls and women. Rules were rules. Even poor old Mina's dad couldn't watch. Ludicrous. The more successful they became, the more frustrated they grew. On your marks. Get set. Go! Mina dived in. Her streamlined body slicing through the water, barely making a splash. She raised an arm above her head, pointed her fingers and lowered her palm, then pulled the water back towards her. 
She was imagining herself as a rhythmic windmill. Her arms were the blades rotating. Every three strokes, she turned her head to take a breath, all the while kicking her feet like her own personal propeller. The women in the stand stared wide-eyed from beneath their fancy hats. Breaststroke was the only style they'd ever seen at a carnival. It was all women had been taught. But Minor had mastered freestyle. It was the latest swimming craze and it made Minor powerful. She'd never swum faster. As her fingertips hit the wall, the crowd clapped politely, unaware that they'd witnessed a history-making moment. Minor squinted at the clock. No, it couldn't be right. She rubbed her eyes and looked again. One minute and 15.8 seconds. A squeal pierced her ears from across the pool. Fanny was bouncing up and down like a soggy pogo stick. Minor, you broke it. Wilhelmina Wiley had set a new world record for the 100-yard freestyle. That's about 91 metres. There was only one swimmer she knew who could come close to that time. Her best friend, Sarah Durak, or, as she called her, Fanny. Mina and Fanny didn't think anything could beat the feeling of smashing world records. That was until they read the headline, Women swimming included at 1912 Olympics. Mina burst into tears of joy. Fanny pumped her fists. We're shoo-ins, Fanny said. We're not just going to compete, we're going to win. But they were getting ahead of themselves. The International Olympic Committee may have decided to let women swim in the Games. But back in Australia, the old-fashioned officials dug their heels into the ground. Fanny and Minor listened with fingers crossed as the Olympic swim team was announced. Malcolm Champion, Les Boardman, Harold Hardwick, Cecil Healy, Frank Shriver, Theodore Tartakova. Fanny bowed her head. Minor's throat wobbled. They'd been ignored by their own country. They organised a meeting with the head of the New South Wales Ladies Amateur Swimming Association, Rose Scott. Rose was staunch and unswayable, a fossil cemented in an outdated thought bubble. It's for your own good, she said. It's disgusting that men should be allowed to attend an event where women are swimming. We cannot have too much modesty, refinement or delicacy in the relations between men and women. Fanny's and Minor's hearts sunk like anchors to the seabed. It was hopeless. But as they wondered how they'd ever accept their unfair fate, a storm rumbled outside. When punters heard that Australia could miss out on medals at the Stockholm Olympic Games, they revolted. Pens were furiously put to paper. Letter after letter was sent to editors, calling swimming officials fools. Hundreds of passionate sports fans rallied in the streets, waving placards. Let Fanny Durak in. Minor Wiley must swim. Send our girls to the Games. 
Aussie swimming be ashamed. It was a national scandal. The Ladies Swimming Association backed down and endorsed the inclusion of the current fastest, Fanny Durack. Outrageous, Rose Scott declared. Men should not be allowed to leer at scantily clad women. And she quit in disgust. But Fanny wasn't satisfied. She didn't want to sail across the ocean without her best friend. The officials argued they couldn't afford to pay for two women. So, with the help of their fierce crew, Mina and Fanny raised enough cash to fund their own trips to Sweden. No more excuses. Fanny and Mina were officially selected, the first ever women to represent Australia in anything at the Olympic Games. Now, let's get on with winning, shall we? It was brown, murky brown, so brown you couldn't see the bottom. I think I prefer Dad's pool, Mina thought. There were no elevated starting blocks. There weren't even any lines or ropes to mark the lanes. Mina tucked her hair into a cap and took one last glance at Fanny. She was already smiling back at her. It was time to slay. The whistle blew. On your marks. Mina curled her toes tightly around the pool's edge. Fanny bent forward, arms outstretched, one hand on top of the other. The gun fired. Mina and Fanny burst into the air and their rocket-shaped bodies seamlessly shot through the water. Fanny emerged a millisecond ahead, lifting her arm into the sky, slamming it down and scooping it back beside her torso of steel. Her eyes were focused downward, but she couldn't even see the bottom, it was so murky. She stayed perfectly straight, with no lanes to guide her. Talk about tough. As her arm lifted again, she turned her head and calmly inhaled, catching the slightest glimpse of the screaming crowd. She was too focused to notice or care that it was full of men cheering her on just like she was one of their own. A few swimmers to her left, Mina had her windmill perfected, her blade-like arms whooshing through the water. Fanny couldn't think about Mina anymore. It was her race. When the wall was close enough, Fanny touched it with both hands and pushed off with her feet for the final lap. Tumble turns hadn't been invented yet. Fanny pointed her toes and pumped her legs. Her powerful hips gave her the most dangerous down kick. The sound from the crowd turned from a muffle to a full-blown stereosonic boom. Just a few more strokes, Fanny told herself. You've got this. Meanwhile, Mina could sense Fanny's position slightly ahead of her. There was no one in between. Fanny was a woman to beat, so Mina dug deep with every last ounce of strength left in her blades. But Fanny was too good. She hit the wall as the crowd exploded. Fanny caught her breath and looked at the clock. One minute and 22.2 seconds. Gold! The first ever gold in the women's 100 meter freestyle at an Olympic Games. Three seconds later, Mina touched the wall. Fanny clapped madly for her friend. She was so 
proud. Mina pulled off her cap and swished her hair in the water, catching her breath. Silver! Mina and Fanny pulled themselves out of the pool and threw their arms around each other. They'd done it! Fanny Jurak and Mina Wiley were best friends and the best in the world. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Fierce Girls. I'm Terea Pitt. A few years ago, I was running in a 100km ultramarathon when I was trapped by a grass fire. More than half my body was burnt, but I survived and I've managed to rebuild my life to a place where I'm really proud of it. I still run, I've competed in Ironman competitions, I've raised over a million dollars for charity, and I'm most proud of being a new mum to a beautiful baby boy. I'm really proof that you can do anything if you're fierce. So you can hear more stories about other amazing fierce girls on the podcast, like this one about the Paralympian Louise Sauvage. What's wrong with her? The nosy lady gawked at the girl with the metal things on her legs. The girl frowned. There's nothing wrong with me. That's right, said her mum. You're a champion. Louise Sauvage was born with one leg bent underneath her body and the other almost touching her shoulder. She couldn't walk properly. But when she tried wheelchair racing, it was love at first roll. And she was fast. As fast as a roadrunner. The actual real life bird, not the cartoon. She won race after race and was chosen to compete in a demonstration of her sport at the Sydney Olympics. The gun blasted and Louise pumped her arms. More than 100,000 people rose to their feet. Louise pushed and pushed. She crossed the line and raised her arms in victory. Yet on the podium, she noticed her medal was smaller than the others. For a moment, Louise doubted herself. Then the crowd roared again. She realized she was a real Olympian in the eyes of the people who really mattered. There was nothing wrong with Louise Sauvage. She was a champion and she just won gold at the Olympics. She's incredible. And if you like the sound of that story, you can subscribe to Fierce Girls wherever you get your podcasts or try the ABC Listen app. It's really cool. Keep being fierce. Fierce. Girl power. Roll the credits. Fierce Girls is produced by a bunch of super fierce women. Its executive producers are Justine Kelly and Monique Bowley. It's produced by Laura McAuliffe and Rebecca Armstrong. The stories are written by the uber-talented Samantha Turnbull. Judy Rapley is the amazing audio engineer who puts in the cool sound effects like this one. (sighs) Kelly Reardon is the boss who lets us make fierce podcasts like this one. Fierce Girls is a production of the ABC Audio Studios.